Passionate Teachers, a podcast for teachers of English. Hello, everybody. Today we're super happy. Today is our 10th podcast, and it's a special date, so we decided to invite a very, very, very special guest to us and to everybody in Brazil, guys. It's Lola from Winner. Welcome, Lola. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tati. It's an honor to be here. And uh, mainly for the 10th episode, I feel that, wow, that's the moment for my life. Thank you very much. We really awaited the 10th because it's a mark, you know. I think that from 10 and 10, we need to make a special edition. You are our first special edition. You deserve it. So Thank you. Without any further ado, I will introduce Lola to the ones that don't yet know Lola very well, because I, I think that everybody knows Lola from Winter. Lola has been helping teachers around for maybe for the last 20 years. I have known Lola for many years. She became my personal friend, besides being a person that I ask for advices, personal advices, advices on my profession. And, uh, oh my God, the phone! This happens, you know, this happens. Although I, I did say that I was locked in a place, it happens. And Lola is from a funky personality. And then she posts very, very funny stories where she teaches English. At the same time, she's doing something from her life. So she's driving. Uh, she talks about her hair. She says about the day, the traffic. And this is something that really calls attention because this is day by day. This is what people do, right? They, they are in traffic and they notice something. So this is one of the things that I super admire. I love to see her running from one place to another. I love what she says my husband cannot know because <laughs> it's public right and he and he always ends up knowing something that i did because maybe he didn't see it but someone told him and you know that's something funny about this um although my uh instagram profile is a professional one and i have marketing people advising me to tell me look this is not you you should have a personal one i cannot detach and sometimes i have some people saying hey why posting something about a shampoo is important for teaching Super and then my answer, yeah and then it's funny because my answer is always like that because teachers have hair that's usually when I have a hater telling me something like, oh, why is this so important about like I ate, I eat a rice cookie, which is awful, but I eat and I post. Why do teachers need to know that? And I said, well, because maybe they want to know about the taste of that and never buy it because it's awful. So it's very funny because sometimes I have some messages and I always revert the message of the person who's sending me like, oh, this is yes. not for teachers. Yes. And I'm like, and then the person becomes my friend. It's very funny. Yes. It's, very yes. funny. it's very honest, you know, and honesty in our field is something that is very valuable. And so I do admire you for that. I admire you also for the challenges that you impose people. And then you compare to your gym and then people say, okay, if I, if I want to get slim, I have to go to gym. If I want to uh, have a better English skill, I have to work for it. So my students took all your challenges. Oh, thank you. Thank you. They were happy about it. And the fact that is so cool is that you're very available 
for talking. People can count on you. People can ask you stuff and you will answer back. So and it's uh, one, one thing for the challenges that I have to say is that they are not focused on sales. They are not focused on money. I have never sold one thing after the challenge. It's usually my real personal challenge. Like, oh, I need to lose some weight and I need to, uh, to have someone backing me up. And my followers, they do back me up a lot. And they're sh showing me that they're studying, that um, they are really into that. It's a, an extra effort for me. So that's why I do. It's never for sales, never. So I think this is, this in a way adds some kind of credibility mm -hmm. because it's not for sale. And also we must not forget about the telegram, right? The telegram yeah. is something wow. so precious. I should go back to there. It's been a while that I don't post there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do the next challenge and I'm going to start posting more things on telegram. Do it because it's it's nice wow. and you always send the charts to people and whenever they have a doubt you send a grammar spot. This is super, yeah. super helpful for whoever is interested in learning more and better. Winner is famous for certificates, right? Yes. And besides Yelts, Tikiti, FCE, uh, CAE, CPE, um, CADPAT, uh, FCE, you have Michigan. Michigan. We have Michigan tests. We have TOEFL uh, tests. We have them all. We have them all. We are, uh, I, I would dare to say that for certificates, we are the most complete center in Brazil. We are not very uh, into teaching certificates like CELTA or train the trainer and this kind of certificates because I still feel that we're not ready for that. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have the certificates for Cambridge, but any certificate that involves teaching, like the CELTA, which there are classes that students should take, I still feel that we are not ready. It, it doesn't mean that we are never going to do it, but I, I think that now it's not the moment and probably for the next five years is not the moment. So I prefer to get specialized in certificates rather than teaching certificates. Although we have TKT, which is a, a teaching certificate, but it's, it doesn't involve classes. So it's easier for me to, to mm -hmm. sit for them. For example, I am a student and I already have a very good basis and I would like to take a certificate. So I look you up, I go to winner. Mm -hmm talk to you and then you will give uh, preparatory courses you're going to give the test not necessarily not necessarily because usually first of all with i think this is our differential i try to listen to candidate why do you want a certificate oh i want a certificate because i'm going to travel and i need uh, to prove the level of english so then we go for IELTS or TOEFL or maybe CAE, depending on the university that you need. Um, sometimes it's only a private student who's been having classes with the teacher and wants to see how his level is. So then we uh, offer maybe the Michigan, the MET uh, or MET Go, which is a multi-level certificate and is still a certificate. Uh, a preparatory course, Tanchi, we sell, but we listen to the candidate first because our main goal is the certification. Mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. usually, because usually what I say is this, preparatory courses, uh, you may want to stop, but I will say, uh, they're fake. Because the thing is, you have to teach English. 
You teach English. A preparatory course can take no longer than 10 classes. Why? Because you're going to show how the test goes. If the student doesn't have the level, he cannot sit for the test. So then we have to teach English, not the test. So a prep course would take no longer than 10 classes. So that's why we don't sell preparatory courses. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you come to me and say, hey, Lola, I want to take to sit for the uh, new ECPE, which is kind of a CPE for Michigan, and you know nothing about it, okay? So, okay, I can sell you three classes, one for the reading and use of English, one for writing, and one for listening, just to show you how the test is. So, but then I don't call preparatory. I say, okay, we're, we're going to sell you three, four classes for that, but not a course. So it's tailored, tailored for the person that looked you up. So yeah, we don't we don't do groups, for instance. Oh, uh, let's have a, an FC group. No, we don't, unless it is um, it is ordered by a client. For instance, now we do have a CAE prep course ongoing. And then I open up for the public because we had only four students and, but it was a school who ordered. A school came to us and said, hey, we want a CAE course for our, um, for our teachers. But then uh, we don't call prep for CAE. We call advanced level course. Of course, in the end, we're going to finish with a CAE certification, but it's not a prep. It's just we are loving. Uh, actually, I call the course Enhance Your English so that the student, the teachers will get a little bit better. But it's uh, one of a kind course and it was tailor made for this school. We open up because we had very few students from the school and then the, the director said, oh, no, you can open up to sell to other people. This is interesting because whoever yeah. will talk to you from now on, knowing this, will know that it is a very honest conversation for their needs, specifically yeah. for their needs. You know what? Some students come to me and they say, ah, I want my, the mothers, I want my son to do the FCE. Why do you want him to do the FCE? I want yeah. him to take TOEFL. Why? Why? Is he going to study in a university abroad? Yeah. As if not, take another certificate, right? And also it depends on the level of the kid because maybe oh, I want him to take FC. Okay, does he have key? Does he have preliminary? No, he doesn't. He's 12 years old. So why would you make a 12-year-old kid sit for four hours? He's not going to perform well, not only because of the lack of English, but also because he's only 12. No test at the age of 12 is longer than 60 minutes. You're going to sit for four hours, it's too long. So that, that's what we do. Of course, there are exceptions. Do we have candidates at the age of 13 trying first? Yes, we do. But it depends on the candidate. And we, what we, I tell mothers, uh, mainly for private teachers, it is nice for the certifications for private teachers. Is, uh, uh, they are amazing because they show the private teacher how his or her student are uh, developing. So th this is, I think the certifications are nice for teachers, much more nice, uh, much more, much nicer to teachers rather than uh, kids, because the teacher who has that imposter syndrome, like, oh, do I teach? Do you, am I able to, to make my student progress? This gives kind of a north to the teacher, like, oh no, yes, he was A1, now he's A2. Now we're gonna become B1. 
So in a way, it shows private teachers that their job is really good, not necessarily having a brand behind, because it's going to be his brand. Like, teacher Tati, teacher Kami, teacher Josie is good. Said who? Cambridge University. So I always do that. I always say for private teachers. And if you think about the numbers of candidates that Winner can, ha can have from private teachers, they're not so high. So, but I always say it, it, it's not for the number, but it's much more for the pride. Like, hey, Josie, you are doing a good job. Your kids are learning English. So you add, in a way, you add a brand to your course without being connected to any brand. And you add an impartial brand. Because said who that Kami is an amazing teacher, apart from the feedback and wonderful feedback. Oh, no, but yes, I have wonderful feedback and my, my students are performing well in Cambridge. And of course, depending on the level that we're talking, of course. So that, that's why I say this. It depends on, uh, it doesn't depend on the number of the candidates, but also uh, on how progress you can show to parents. So for the mother, one DFC, okay, but before DFC, let's see how he or she goes uh, in other tests. I love your first one, the, um, what's the name? Uh, the starters, the movers, the flyers. I love that. I love that. They're super nice, well done for that specific age, and they still give you a certificate. So even if you have a young learner, you can put the person to have a test like that. In the past, we didn't have that. It was only for adults. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Josie has a question. Uh, hey, Lola. Uh, you know, right, that, that we took a mentoring program in the end of the course, my love. So it oh, was an amazing program. It changed uh, my point of view like, as a person in a whole, in the professional too, because I'm trying to get, to put some, in practice, some tests, right? And I put in practice with my students and then they worked uh, some tests with them. So it was really nice. Um, and then, and then uh, my question is, and how did you have the idea of creating this program for teachers? Because it was really nice because it's, it's something that we don't have in the market. Focus on the uh, like personal development for teachers, like see inside, and then you have yes, and then you have to put like uh, to your students. So how how did you develop this idea? Well, first and foremost, I have to say that I am extremely proud of you, Josie. Really, it's I get all goosebumps because of that because it's amazing uh, to see how great you actually you were great you just put outside so it's much better the, the mentoring is something very funny because it's something that I created because of the pandemic and uh, some people come to me I'm sorry I'm going to sound snobbish but please don't don't take me wrong okay some people ask me oh how did you become so successful How I'm, I'm please, I'm not successful at all in this sense. But some people ask, How do you do it? How much, how can you have energy for 12 hours while working? 
and also to dismystify this thing about being an entrepreneur or a businesswoman ahead of a big business as a myth because um, people think that just because I am ahead of a lot not large but a middle school um, and sometimes I have under my umbrella a hundred people and I, I have to direct the school and people ask me this and they think that uh, how, how can I deal with time? How can I deal with my family and my personal life? Because it's very nice. Sometimes we see some successful people and we think like, oh, everything's so perfect. Everything is so... And it's not. People have feelings. We, we struggle the same thing. The, uh, sometimes I say something very snobbish, but it's very true. It's that the difference of problems sometimes, it's only in the number of the zeros. Maybe I am worrying about 10,000 highs and someone else is worrying about 1,000 highs or about 100, it doesn't matter. It's only a number of zeros, but the intensity of the problem is the same. It's the same. So uh, because of this, how, how I deal with energy and how I had to learn all by myself, because this is one thing that I feel that in the market, we don't share. What you girls are doing here about passionate teachers doesn't happen. It always happens because of the money. It always happens because of, oh, we're going to create a super teaching course. Yeah. And we're going to make a lot of money. First thing, bullshit. I'm sorry, pardon my friend. Bullshit. Teachers are not rich to make you make a lot of money. Sorry. No. Second, where is the sorority? There's no sorority, of course. And then if you ask me, uh, my mentoring was, um, there was a price for that. Not absurd. Yeah. And it wasn't absurd because I know that every teacher could pay and had no problem. And if any teacher asked me to give it for free, I would. I'm sorry, Jules. <laughs> but the thing is, it's not for the money, but it was a thing about sorority. I said, like, hey, let me try. I did it twice. And I'm really thinking if I'm going to do the third or not. I was bombarded with criticism. You have no idea how many people sent me messages like, oh, this is not teacher training. And I said, yeah, it's not teacher training. It's life training. Things that I do for my classes, for my life, how to deal with my husband, how to deal with about the languages of love. Remember, the thing is, uh, I, I wanted to spread what I do because I am sure there are other people that could be as successful or even more. Um, I am mentoring a, a teacher now. He uh, has a, a small school. And the last man, I, I do it individually. And the last mentoring, he asked me like this, why are you telling me this? I, I opened up my, my cash flow with him and I show him how much money I make and how I can sell and how, and then he was like, why are you split spreading uh, or sharing your secrets? And I said, because this is no secret. This is no secret. This is how I do. We talk about entrepreneurship to teachers. I've seen some courses of entrepreneurship. I'm sorry, I'm going to be very bad now. <laughs> Entrepreneurs saying, oh, take this entrepreneurship with me. The business of the person is not profitable. The person is broke, is riding a very, very simple car. And I mean, guys, it's not the car, but it's like the person is selling like, hey, Josie, come to me and you're going to be rich, but I'm broke. No, it's not this. So I, I decided to do it exactly because sometimes it's not entrepreneurship that you need. You just need to adjust a few things because we teachers, we are highlanders. We do things 
that it's amazing. Like for all, you, all on a Saturday, she's working. Yeah, but you are also. That's the thing. It's not only me. All other teachers are. But the only thing is that sometimes they feel guilty for be, being working, or they feel um, uh, the heavy burden of a, a family conversation. Because sometimes all you need is to get that sister-in-law that you hate and have a conversation or understand what is going on. Sometimes it's, and we don't see that we are all connected professionally and personally. So the mentoring, it's not into partnership, it's not teacher training, or uh, another person said, oh, this is not mentoring. I said, well, you can give the name that you want. I am opening my house, I'm opening my life. I had the, the pleasure of having you there, Josie. And I opened my house and my life to show, this is how I do, this is the, the way that I do. That's it, <laughs> about the mentoring, it was this, and I don't know if I will have a third edition, I'm still thinking. Do it. Thinking. You, have. you know what? Every time you helped me or my teachers uh, in a mini mentoring that you didn't even charge for it, and I have to say that it was from the heart, it helped a lot. You know, criticism is always going to have. Don't you think that the three of us are getting also some critics, like bad crit critics, like, oh, they want to show up, they want to be... Okay, we do. <laughs> And that's good. You know, this is always what I think. If they're saying... But that's the thing. And you know what, girls? There's space for everybody. If you think about a population of only 5% of the population have access to English. I'm not talking that they're fluent. Okay, fluent. We're talking about 1% of the population. 5% of the population have access to English. There's a space. For everybody, everybody, every single guild uh, or union of teachers that get together, we can have thousands of other passionate teachers. We can have thousands of other winners and there's two space. Uh, this fear, um, the lesson of competition, I've learned with a guy. Uh, he was my student. He was a very, very, very influential lawyer in Sao Paulo. Actually, he ended in the ministry. And he asked me this question. This was about 25 years ago. No, 22 years ago. He asked me, hey, who's your competitor? And then I came up with the sentence. I said, can I say names of other schools or no? Maybe not, right? Well, but I said, so lap alumni cultura. I said, those are my competitors. And then he said, wrong answer. And I was like, wrong answer? Okay. And then in my mind, I was like, CNA is not my competitor. I'm better. But, you know, in my mind, I kept thinking like that. And then he said, you have no competitor. And then I was like, okay. And he said, you have always to think that your product is unique because while you're looking by the side to see who your competitor is, you're not looking ahead. Funnily enough, this weekend, I started reading a, a book called Oceano Azul, Blue Ocean, about entrepreneurship. And it's exactly this. While you're looking for the sharks, you're not looking ahead and you're not increasing, you're not getting bigger. So for competition, I, I, this is how I've always thought. And of course, there's a long mile for me to ride. I'm still in the beginning, but I, I cannot see any other way. For the, the mentoring touch, what I think sometimes not doing it is that maybe people will take it wrongly. Like, oh, uh, it's for the money. It's So I do it sometimes. I don't and care. I, Whatever I did with you, 
help it my profession, help it my teachers to increase their level of conscious of what they could do, uh -huh. open up big windows. So I don't care, make it. Thank you. Thank make you so much. It. Make it. Really make it. This is because people that. think about the profit. People uh -huh. think about the money. And yeah, people think like about the profit. But when yes. sponsors, yes. when winner sponsors breast T-Soul, nobody says, ah, look at her. She's sponsoring. She's paying for us to be there, for us to have an event. And the this one here in the pandemic, the 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 first one that was had to be done in Sao Paulo and didn't happen. I know how much money she lost. Don't tell me. But it's but it's one thing. What I feel is that in this since day one, since day one when I started uh, winner 20 years ago, education cannot be connected to profit. Profit is a consequence. Right. And this I take for myself. We are not going to be millionaires but we're going to have a very comfortable life. This is what I tell my, my staff. I say, hey, we're not going to be a unicorn company. We're not going to be millionaires. We're not going to sell winner on the stock market or open the IPO. This will not happen. Let's, let's face the reality because profit is not our goal. However, nevertheless, nonetheless, once we are going to, we are doing a good job, we will have a comfortable life. So I always say this, the education cannot aim profit. Profit will be a consequence. And since day one, when I opened the school, I've never had a loss. When we say, oh, you lost money with a prestige, so I lost money with the pandemic. Yes, I did. But overall, I survived. I, I, I have been surviving for over two years of uh, pandemic and we're going on. We're doing. I remember uh, on March 28th, the day that I closed the school, one of my managers, she came up to me and she asked me like this. Hey, boss, how long do you uh, how long can you last with money like everybody going home? And I told her three months because that's the money that I had. I said, so I, I can I can deal with that for three months comfortably. It's been two years. And I haven't gone on a bank loan yet. <laughs> Please, universe, don't listen to that because I don't want to go. But this is the thing. So you can have a comfortable living, an ethical living, if you do not mix education with profitability. I, I really think that it's a consequence. It's a consequence. The same like, oh, we want to be famous. This is a consequence, a consequence of good podcasting, of good interviews, of, uh, let me put it in a nice way, in transparent hearted interviews. Maybe it's going to be bad for some teachers saying something wrong or something that shouldn't be there, but th this is what will lead to success, at least in my point of view. You asked something about how Winner started, when you started Winner. Tell us a little bit about that because not too many people know how you started. We know oh my God. from now, you know. Yeah, because actually I wasn't uh, I wasn't a Cambridge Center. We became a Cambridge Center in 2010. Uh, so we started in 2001. 
right before uh, we started in June. In September, we had the, the fall of the Twin Towers and the, the whole crisis. And I have a fun story about that because it was like that. I used to work for a big corporation. I used to work for Computing Lisa. And uh, I had personal issues because my I had large groups. Like when I say large, my groups were always 20 students and I couldn't feel my students learning. And uh, I didn't think about Cambridge. It's funny because I had Cambridge at my service there, but I didn't think about that. And I, I felt that my students are not progressing. And I was a, a big fan of teaching privately. So I started Winner as a, and which is still is a private one-to-one -one school that went companies. And uh, a fun, the fun story is that I opened the school in June and maybe April, no, 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 not April, maybe July, maybe one month after, not one month before. I'm trying to think about the dates. Yeah, it was exactly like this. Maybe July, there was a Virginia, um, a Brazilian magazine, uh -huh. and it was written there. There was a kind of a poll about companies that would bankrupt in Sao Paulo. And out of 10, 10 language institutes that opened in Sao Paulo, 9.8 would bankrupt as, you, you know, like you see a language institute is not a good business. And I was with the vision in my hand and it was like, I just opened the school and I was like, well, that's not very good timing. Oh, wow. Yeah, because what happens if you think about in the 90s, there were, uh, if you think about the 80s, there were only three or four very good English schools. Right, we would think about Cecibel, Cultura Inglesa, Alumini, and so left maybe in the 90s. Then, after the 90s, it popped up many schools Minimum System, Wall Street, Winner, uh, UCA, many, many, many. Every corner there was a language institute. And then, if you think about here in Sao Paulo, okay, I'm talking about Sao Paulo reality. Those many schools, they all closed. They all close. If you look up to today, you don't see it. Uh, why? Because I always say to Brazil, me and many other entrepreneurs, they say Brazil is not for amateurs. To have a healthy business in Brazil is quite hard. So when I opened, I opened only as a school and uh, I had one thing in my mind. There's only one way to have this uh, to be profitable, investing in teachers. So back in that time, in 2001, I was already an, a Bristol investor and paid for all my teachers to go to all events. And uh, I was very transparent with teachers. I would tell them, hey, here's the thing. I, I make profit over years. So I'll give examples. Let's say that I charge the class 50 reais. You make 20. I am not making the double over you. I always make clear for the teacher that I'm hiring that there is profit. I will make money because look, so Kami, I hired you. I will sell the course for a hundred reais. I will pay you 35, but let me show you where the other uh, 65 go. And I show the teacher, look, there is rent. We had a glitch. I will stop a bit. So we had a, a failure in energy and we're back Lola without our background. I'm sorry. Well, actually, then I decided to sit on the sofa because I'm on the cell phone.
So as I was saying, there were too many schools in the 90s and they, they went bankrupt because Brazil is not for amateurs and it's really hard. And we had the crisis of 2001 uh, after September 11th. And but then when I opened the school, I thought about, you know what, I'm going to be transparent to the teachers and I'm going to invest uh, in teachers because this is the most important thing, I think, for a private teacher, for an institution, as I said before, you cannot think about profit. I'm not saying that we have to be NGOs, okay? That, oh, profit is off. I hate. No, no, I love profit. Even I love money. NGOs need to yeah. get money. Exactly. So the thing is, yeah, the, the thing is, profit should be a consequence. And that's how it started because teachers wanted to work with us because of the quality and uh, and classes were so amazing back at the time. I missed this. Just for you guys to have an idea, there was a moment that I had 35 teachers. We were, we were quite of a large school for one-to-one. And then Cambridge uh, uh, came to us because we had legal English classes. And there was a test that doesn't exist anymore called I like International Legal English Certificate. And Cambridge asked us to be uh, a center for that because we were one of one. Of the, I think there were us and there was another school, not, not many schools with legal English. And then as we were for ILEC, we thought about, well, why not applying? But when we applied for other certifications, we had no idea that uh, there were no centers in Brazil. And then we applied, we got it, we were granted, and then we started uh, selling certifications all over Brazil. And then it comes my new motto, because the thing is, today, my biggest thing is to set to to bring certifications to small institutions because sometimes uh, there, there's a small school uh, in the countryside of Sao Paulo or in the countryside of Bahia and they have no access to Cambridge and they think that this is something so hard for them to have and then you and go there right winner I, I am really really proud to say that we were the very first institute to get to Acre uh, but where, it's not winner <laughs> Yeah, we go. There's uh, and you know there is a city called Picos in Piauí. I know I it. Think it's too small. It is super small. And Kami, you should see the kids taking Wiley. It's like for for uh, the last time they called the city radio. The city radio interviewed the examiner. Like the Queen Elizabeth was in Picos. You know they thought that <laughs> wow, that's a moment. And, and for us, it was such an honor. I, I told the, the school owner, I said, thank you for the opportunity. And she was like, no, thank you for coming here. And he said, no, for me, it is important. Uh, I was talking to another teacher from, I think, Uberlândia, Uberava, I don't know, from the middle of uh, Minas. And she was like, oh, but would you guys come here for 10 candidates? And I said, I would go for four. I would go for four because it's not, uh, for me, it is important to bring recognition to your school. And then that's the moment of sorority because sometimes it's all this person needs, all this school needs is someone to give recognition that it doesn't need to, I'm not saying that big brands are not nice. They are also, but I cannot say that a small school is not good. And I've heard, I've heard many times, oh, this school, ah, it's not good. It's just a small school. Or for a private teacher, the same, oh, this, uh, he's only a private teacher. No, he's not only a private teacher. He's the private teacher. He does the best job he can. And uh, this is, for me, it's the best thing of uh, taking certifications all around Brazil. And when I say all around Brazil, we go from north and south, east and, uh, east and west, 
And we're really, really proud. For you to have an idea, there was a school, uh, a place, a city called Uruguayana. It's because of the name, you can imagine, it's bordered with Uruguay. And we hired a uh, Uruguayan examiner to go for the school because it's easier. It's much easier. And it's amazing how big Brazil is. And uh, with this, I am sure I'm going to change. And then I say I proudly because I say I, of course, with the backup of mothership Cambridge. But uh, I say oh, with this, I'm going to change the situation of Brazil of the five percent because first of all we only say five percent of brazilian people have access to english i understand but second do we grade them how do we have access where's the data so cambridge of course there is a price for that there is a mentality that we need to build but we can change this and i've learned this in buenos aires i, I know i'm talking too much i'm gonna go fast faster uh in buenos aires the first time i went to buenos aires in 2003 i went to buenos aires thinking that oh i'm brazilian i speak english i'm super good when i arrived there Everybody spoke English. Everybody, from the bus driver to the coffee girl to the hotel manager and to the teachers and directors that I talked to. And I was like, what the heck? We are in a very broken, small country and they everybody speaks English. In Brazil, I dare you to get a bus to say hello, good morning. The guy will not come back and say good morning. So that's the reality that I want to change. And for this, uh, we have to go all around Brazil. It's not only Sao Paulo. Because Sao Paulo, maybe, if you do that on the bus, Sao Paulo, Rio, uh, they will probably answer back. But I want to do that all around Brazil and spread that speaking English is important, not only for tourists, it's for life. I guess that this brings us to Kami's question. <laughs> exactly this point. Hi, Lola. It's a pleasure having you here in our podcast. We are really happy to be with us. And my question is about exactly what you were saying about new teachers. What should a new teacher do to improve some teaching skills, especially nowadays with the pandemic, as we have changed to the online world and many other things? Wow, that's a very deep question. Let's, I'll, I'll try to separate that by two parts. First of all, personally, uh, let's go to the person, to the teacher. The thing is, first of all, stop with the imposter syndrome. Stop thinking that I will never speak English because I, I don't have money to live abroad because this is a myth. And uh, understand that it's learning English is mathematics. Hmm? How? Number of hours of study. Every 100 hour of um, exposure to English, you advance. So if a teacher puts this math in his mind, like, okay, I need, for instance, I am B2 and I want to become C1. Okay, so if you're B2 and you want to become C1, you need to have 100 hours of C1 exposure. So it's math. Put it on the paper. Today, I'm going to do a reported speech exercise, advanced reported speech, 30 minutes. Okay, 30 minutes. And today I'm going to watch Netflix. Oh, I want C1 exposure. Or maybe let's go to C2 because C2 is a little bit more difficult. I want C2 exposure. Watch Bridgerton. Watch uh, House of Cards. 
So that moment of watching House of Cards, and then, of course, you're going to watch it, but do not watch with subtitles in Portuguese. Watch with subtitles in English because you are getting real exposure to English. Um, try to say, this is what I do because sometimes I, I'm, depending on the month, and probably this happens to you girls too, I'm teaching only intermediates. And then what happens? My level of English goes down. Not too intermediate, of course, but from C2 goes to C1. Then the next month I say, no, you know what? I'm going to get more advanced students. As I work in a school, it's very easy. I just talk to the coordinator, say, hey, give me a C1 level, please, because I need to enhance my English. So if you were a teacher, what you could do is this. Uh, try always to have one student a little bit better than you, because then you're going to force yourself to study. This is, this is a super challenge and people really avoid doing that. No, I'm not going to teach that student because he knows a lot more than I do. No, that's, I have to tell you a secret. I have to tell you how I started teaching legal English. Okay, a student, a student called me and said, hey, do you teach legal English? That was back in 2000, 2001. At that time, Tachi, I would teach anything, even lap dancing, because I needed students, I needed the money, and I would do whatever. I, I would even teach kids, which I don't. And teenagers. I, I don't, yeah, I, I wouldn't teach kids because I really don't look, I, I, I don't know how. I try very hard, but oh, anyways, so that student said, oh, do you teach legal English? And I said, mm -hmm. and then the student asked, oh, I need to learn how to write a waiver. All I could think about was wave, not wave, but wave. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Waiver is a document just saying that you deny and that you you don't you don't want to do the thing. Anyways, I look at a student and I told her like this, sure, but there's one thing. My agenda is a little bit busy. I can take you next month. Is that okay? Can you wait for me for a month? And then the student said, oh, yes, I can. I said, okay. And then during this entire month, I prepared myself. And then I started teaching the student. And then the student contributed also because she brought me, I did things like that. Okay, can you bring me uh, something next class that shows me what you work? I'm, I'm going to tell you for C1 because this is something that I do. I do this. I show a text of C1 and then I ask the student, I say this, please highlight expressions and words that show that this text is C1. So I teach my student how to see that th this level is above. But imagine if I didn't know how to do that, if I were a novice teacher, I can do the same exercise. The student will do it. I will say, mm, yeah, he's right. Or maybe here, you start doing the exercise with the student. So teaching one level, I always say one student, not a whole classroom. Don't do that. Don't get a whole classroom because you're, it's, it's going to be bad. And I always say, don't commit pedagogical crimes. What are pedagogical? crimes. You get a C1 student, you are B2, and you do not get prepared. Mm -hmm. This is the biggest problem. So teachers avoid maybe one, because they think it's not fair, it's a pedagogical crime. Okay, here, here, I understand. Or second, because they don't want to prepare. Uh, I had a teacher trainer that once she told me, you can teach anything you want. You can teach German. Cooking. Cooking. Sword dancing. But you have to get prepared before the class. So 
if you if I want to get better at my English, this is one possibility. One example, ah, Lola, but you know, I am very honest. I don't want to do that. Fine, I agree. Get a friend and say, hey, let's get prepared for C2. This class is my class. I prepare, I teach you. Next class, it's your class. You prepare, you teach me. Oh. And make a compromise with a friend. Then it's not exchange, pedagogical crime. Exchange knowledge, right? Exchange knowledge, exactly. But prepare the class because I'm sorry to say that, but there's no much secret in getting a better English. Sit down and study. I'm sorry to say that, but it's so true. There's no secret. It's it's the same as dieting. I know it's awful. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But eat less and exercise more. That's the recipe. All the rest, all the rest is going to be um, extra. Of course, I Lola, but if I eat more proteins, it's going to be better. Yeah, it will. It will. So if you go for a school with a big lab and you do repetitions, it's going to be better. Yeah, it will. But bottom line is sit down and study. True. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it hurts to listen to that. Even I, I don't like it, but it's the only truth. No, it's like this. You can give 50% to the person, but the other 50% is the student's responsibility. If you just exactly. give feedback and you give this and you give that and the student doesn't do anything with it, he's not going to go forward. You're right. Exactly. You're right. We love you. We would like to have you for two hours with us. I think I think I should come here again because this, it's so nice. So That's you will be invited. Thank you. Thank you so much. You. you are very special. That's why you're our 10th edition. Maybe you can come back on the 20th edition and see how <laughs> we are doing, right? Let's talk about how we are doing from Passionate Teachers Podcast. We see you. if we are achieving what we want, that is to bring news, information, and sharing materials with all the teachers of Brazil and abroad. Why not? Right? And we count on you. And uh, you. here I, I leave you and the girls, I think, agree with me that the pearl that was given was education cannot be linked to profit, but we need to make profit. And profit is a reward it's a consequence it's a consequence that's it i think you said it all baby thank you so much from the thanks a bunch lola for everything you've said thank you thank you very much thank you and waiting for you on the 20th okay it's a be there it's okay thank you very much thank you thank you so much thank you at the end of our podcast bye